0: Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Tom O'Brien. Dr. Tom O'Brien is a recognized world expert on gluten and its impact on health. He's an internationally recognized and sought-after speaker and workshop leader specializing in the complications of non-celiac gluten sensitivity, celiac disease, and the development of autoimmune diseases as they occur inside and outside of the intestines. His newest book, You Can Fix Your Brain Just One Hour a Week to the Best Memory, Productivity, and Sleep You've Ever Had, is the handbook for anyone worried about any type of brain ailment. From chronic conditions like dementia or brain disorders like MS to simple brain fog and fatigue, this essential guide covers the full spectrum of prevention to treatment. I really enjoyed reading Dr. Tom's book, and I really um, hope that you enjoy our interview today. We go over a lot of the Uh, important clinical pearls that he mentions in his book. And I um, hope you get a lot of out of it. Thank you. Welcome, Dr. Tom. It's an honor to have you on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so
1: much. It's a pleasure to be with you.
0: Well, great. Well, I am so excited to literally pick your brain today. I know that um, I've known about your work for a long time and I'm Um, I think that this new, your newest book, your second book, You Can Fix Your Brain, um, is excellent. And I think there's a lot of important information that we can share with our audience. And a big part of my mission these days is to teach people really the root cause of why we're seeing this increase in neurological illness. And I think you've done a fantastic job of doing that.
1: Oh, thank you. It's very nice of you to say that's the goal. That's the goal of the book is that the reader... Um, really gets the big picture overview of what's happening in their brain before they've got so much uh, deterioration that's accumulated that now they've got a problem. So if they get that sense and they understand how the world around them and the world inside of them is triggering the cell by cell brain deterioration, that, and then they know that there's things that you can do about it to, uh, to change that, then it's empowering.
0: Mm I have the same perspective. Yeah, I have the same perspective. I think, you know, it's way easier to prevent these illnesses than turn them around once they've settled in. And I think um, the more that we can increase awareness, we can really um, create a proactive patient population that can be on top of um, you know all of the information that we're going to go over so um so Dr. Tom, tell me a little bit about your medical background i know i you when i was looking at people who've inspired you one of the, your mentors was even Dr. Goodhart and i my mentor is Dr. Klinghardt and we, um Dr. Goodhart was a mentor for him too with applied kinesiology and we use autonomic response testing um, at Sophia Health Institute which is a form of applied kinesiology. So I would just love to hear um, your medical journey that led you to this uh, point on educating us about our brains.
1: Well, it started with my first week in chiropractic school uh, uh, and my medical education. There was a poster that said uh, Dr. Sheldon Deal was coming to speak that weekend, Mr. Arizona. And I thought, well, you know, I don't have anything to do and just starting classes, so why not? And guy sounds like he's a healthy guy, he's a bodybuilder so he's got to be a healthy guy, Mr. Arizona so <laughs> I went to see him, and it, was, it, it just dropped my jaw that uh, one of the things he did at that time uh, televisions with color were just coming out uh, this was nineteen seventy eight so color televisions were a new thing, and uh, he had a color television on in the room. The volume was off, but the the picture was on, and we're all captivated by seeing the color and you know, today that would sound really silly, but it used to be everything was black and white, uh, but he, this was color. He walked over to a table, opened his briefcase and took out a bar magnet the size of an iPhone. Mm-hmm. And he walked, he just held the the bar magnet up and he walked over to the, tel- the color television. The picture went upside down and he walked back and the picture went right side up and he walked back and towards the television and went upside down and he walked back away from it and the picture went right side up and he said that's what electromagnetic pollution does to your brain and your nervous system and it's called neurological switching people that say right when they mean left kids that write numbers backwards they're just switched they have neurological switching and one of the contributors to that that dr deal was teaching that weekend in 1978 was that electromagnetic pollution will cause that and back then what he was referring to was watches that had batteries in them. This was a new thing. You know, watches had batteries and you didn't have to wind them up every day. And that the battery on your wrist for sensitive people, not, not necessarily just the yellow canaries in the coal mine, but anyone um, who had any sensitivities uh, to electromagnetics would likely have an effect to their brain and their nervous system. And of course, now today we know, and in the book, in my book, we talk about it, that there are four um, pillars to look at when dealing with any health condition. I call it the pyramid of health. There's four sides to a pyramid. There's the base, that's the foundation, and that's structure, and bones, muscles, ligaments, posture, all those kinds of things. There is the biochemistry that most of us focus on all the time and exclusively, which is a mistake. It's really important, the biochemistry, what you eat, drink, breathe. There is the emotions or the spiritual, and then there's the electromagnetic. And any one of those four platforms could be the trigger for any health condition that you're dealing with. It could be. Not that it is, but it could be. We know sometimes when people get in car accidents that months down the road, their brain's not working very well anymore. Many people lose their jobs, they can't function anymore, they've got some neck pain, but also they just can't think anymore. So physical trauma, the structure can affect brain function. And and the the examples go on and on with electromagnetics. So that introduced me to this whole world, my first week in my education. And as a result of that, I started looking for more more information like that. And so I was exposed to um, the diagnostic procedure called applied kinesiology which is muscle testing, and the founder was Dr. George Goodhart. And so I started, I, I went to a Dr. Goodhart weekend uh, very shortly after Dr. Deals. I was very young in my education, and I was so enmeshed and just caught up by what I was learning. I have 450 hours of study directly with Dr. Goodhart.
0: Wow.
1: And, and I opened my practice um, as an applied kinesiologist. I think I was the first functional medicine applied kinesiologist. Because I also was in Jeff Bland's first lecture in 1978, so by the time I opened my practice on Valentine's Day in 1981, I was a functional medicine applied kinesiologist, um, trying and doing our best to help everyone we possibly could,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: and it's it's been like that ever since.
0: I love that. Wow, you know, and it's like. Um... You know, 1981 was a while ago, right? And how times have changed. And if we were just thinking about color TVs and battery watches, right? And how now we're, you know, up against five G and you know all of these other stresses on the body. And I, I'm so glad that you've um, been aware of that throughout your medical career. And now I don't know if um, you have the same perspective, but it, it's challenging, right? People are tougher to treat, I feel, because of what we're up against. And I know that you go through that in your book as well, all the environmental factors and the stresses and this body burden that we're all, um, none of us are immune to.
1: Oh, a hundred years ago, actually it'd be 120 years ago, uh, uh, homeopathy was the primary approach in medicine that uh, medical doctors were using. Medical doctors were taught homeopathy and it was so effective, uh, it it was fabulous. Then in 1908, Rockefeller got legislation passed, and the government sponsored this whole concept of pharmaceuticals and started publishing studies about the drugs, the, uh, whereas homeopathy is a subtle approach to get your body to function stronger. The pharmaceuticals come in like a just a power punch to knock out whatever it is that you were dealing with. So uh, that was in 1908 that began. And uh, since then, we have, uh, what what has happened over the decades is that homeopathy doesn't work so well anymore. Um, it's got great benefits sometimes, but it doesn't have the com- the complete impact factor that it had fifty years ago. And why is that? It's for the same reason that autoimmune diseases are so much higher than they were. 50 years ago, and the same reason why brain deterioration diseases are so much higher than they were 50 years ago. And what is it? Well, the Journal of Pediatrics published the paper that tells us this. They said, for every person in America, the average is 250 pounds of toxic chemicals per person per day that are being dumped in the U.S., Two hundred and fifty wow. pounds per person per day, every day, seven days a week, and our bodies have accumulated so many of these toxic chemicals that we don't have a defense against. So, and we'll talk about that, but first about these th- this environmental exposures we're getting. Every newborn child in America today that they check, everyone has about one hundred and eighty to two hundred. I saw one study, two hundred forty-six, mm-hmm. but. Uh, the 180 toxic chemicals in their bloodstream at birth that are not supposed to be there. And many of them are neurotoxins. Well, where'd the baby get it? The baby got it from mother, that mom's loaded with these. And so they've got these toxic chemicals. Many of them are neurotoxins that affect the brain. And if they affect the brain, baby's brain may not develop properly. And there's I've got some studies here. On how baby's brain does not develop properly. If mom has high levels of phthalates, those are the chemicals that mold plastic. And so baby's brain doesn't develop properly. What happens? In 1980, when I came out in practice, one child out of every 10,000 or so were on the autism spectrum. Today, the CDC tells us it's one child on 36. And Dr. Stephanie Senup, a biostatistician at um, uh, MIT, Tells us that within the next 10 to 15 years, it'll be one child in two. Now it was one in 10,000 when I came out in practice. So one in two on the autism spectrum. These kids can't function. Most of them are can't function in life. And so why is this happening? It is not vaccinations. Please, for everyone out there, do not say that vaccinations cause autism. If that were the case every child that gets a vaccination would get autism but but it's very rational to say vaccinations may cause autism they may be the straw that broke the camel's back they may be but you can't say they definitely are that's not true and then you you get isolated as a nutcase <laughs> so so if you just are clear in your language and how you hold this and you realize Oh, absolutely, there are thousands and thousands of cases of kids who had reactions after having a vaccination that affected their brain. There's no question about it. And it is a strong contributor, but it is not the cause. It is a cause, perhaps a primary cause, but it's not the cause. The cause of the increase in autism, the cause in the increase of autoimmune diseases, because in the increase in Alzheimer's is the unbelievable amount of toxins that we're exposed to every day and this stuff accumulates in our body.
0: Mhm mhm yeah i know these are so so many important facts and i um many of the, my audience knows i have a four month old and so um you know just going through um uh, motherhood and really we also see autistic children um at sophia health institute so you know our future you know are our children and you know it doesn't look so good if we don't change course right and how we're um, you know, how we're starting life these days. And so um, you make a point and kind of taking a step back and looking at the larger picture. Um, we, You're, you know, an expert in autoimmunity. And I know that you wrote another book um, on autoimmunity, I believe it was called the autoimmune fix. And how is our environment, you know, not only toxicity and infections, um, how is that setting up an autoimmune process that is contributing to the increase in neurological disease that we're seeing um, in our society right now?
1: Yeah, really good question. Um, We have to realize that our bodies are exactly like our ancestors thousands of years ago. We have the same kidneys, the same livers, the same muscles and brains. You know, we use our brains more. Uh, We've developed um, more comprehensive ways of living in society and building comforts and protection for us. But it's the same brain, same type of brain, same size brains and all of that. The immune system of our ancestors is the same immune system we have today. What did our ancestors have to fight? Bugs, parasites, viruses, molds, and fungus. That was it. That was it. The immune system. Mrs. Patient, your immune system is the armed forces in your body. It's there to protect you. There's an army, an air force, a Marines, a Coast Guard, a Navy. It's there to protect you. So what did our ancestors have to be protected from? Bugs, parasites, viruses, molds, and fungus. We have the same immune system today. With that same immune system, We're designed to be protected against bugs, parasites, viruses, molds, and fungus. That's it. We don't have an immune system that's effective at protecting us against Coca-Cola. When when you go for a hike in the mountains, you don't see streams of Coca-Cola coming down from the mountains or streams of orange juice coming down from the mountains. You may see oranges, very healthy for you, but not orange juice. Well, what do you mean? What's wrong with orange juice? It's a whole lot of sweet. And it's not bad by itself, but it's accumulative. So, our immune system is designed to protect us from bugs, parasites, viruses, molds, and fungus. That is it, nothing else. So, when we're exposed to bisphenol A, BPA, which is probably the most well known phthalate chemicals that mold plastic, when we're exposed to BPA, And every human that's tested has BPA in their bloodstream. Let me say that differently. Every human that is tested has BPA in their bloodstream. Let me say that differently. Every human that is tested has BPA in their bloodstream. (laughs) You get the point.
0: (laughs) Everyone does. Yeah. Wow. When
1: we're exposed to BPA, as an example of these 250 pounds of toxic chemicals per person per day, when we're exposed to BPA... Our immune system responds as if it's a bug, parasite, virus, mold, or fungus, because that's all it can do. So BPA gets into your bloodstream. Well, first, uh, you know, it's in your food, because if you store your food in plastic containers, or if you use plastic wrap around your food, like saran wrap, or um, uh, if you buy food that's wrapped in plastic in the store, the phthalates... From the plastic leach into the food. No, wait, no. Uh, no, listen to this. Put leftover chicken in Tupperware containers. The next day, when you take it out of the refrigerator, there's phthalates in the in the chicken that weren't there the day before. Wow. Where the chicken touches the, the 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 plastic, the phthalates leach into the food. Just read the studies on this. And the phthalates bind onto well, one example, the phthalates bind onto myelin in your brain and in your central nervous system. And if the phthalates bind onto myelin, your immune system says, whoa, what's this? This must be a bug, a parasite, a virus, mold, or fungus. And then your immune system makes antibodies to attack myelin. Now you have elevated antibodies to myelin. That's what causes MS. So, just go to Google, that great library in the sky, and type in phthalates and multiple sclerosis, and here come the studies. And you see this with 250 pounds of toxic chemicals per person per day. There are so many chemicals out there like that, that your immune system is activated, trying to protect you from all this crud that we're being exposed to, and you get collateral damage your immune system begins attacking your own tissue. The most common type of Alzheimer's, we now know clinically, somewhere between 60, 65% of all Alzheimer's cases are called inhalation Alzheimer's. That means what you're breathing goes right through your nose, straight up to your brain, activates an inflammatory cascade, and mean uh, inflammation of your brain cells, killing off brain cells, killing off brain cells, killing off brain cells, and you eventually lose so many brain cells, you start to lose your memory. So uh, Mrs. Patient, if you go on vacation and your house is closed up for a week or two, when you come home, do you have to open the windows to air the house out? Oh yeah, you've got mold, you likely have mold. And that is a very common trigger to inhalation triggering cognitive decline, is mold in the house. Very common, and people don't know this. Another, another factor, every dog that they did autopsies on in Mexico City in the 1990s, every dog had evidence of Alzheimer's, every dog. And in, in the mid-2000s into the late 2000s, they had urine tests available, and then blood tests. Every child in Mexico City they test has markers of inflammation in their brain, which eventually um, may cause Alzheimer's. Every child. Every child. Why? Well, because Mexico City, the air is so toxic. It's some of the most toxic air in the world. Inhalation, Alzheimer's, they're breathing this crud every day. So what do you do? What do you do with that? Because you can't change the air quality. Well, you can with your boat over time. But what do you do on a daily basis, you get the best air filtration system in your house that you can afford. And especially in your bedroom, if it's not a whole house unit, you get it in your bedroom because that's where you spend more time than anywhere else.
0: Yeah, and absolutely with sleep, and you know how sleep affects um, the natural cleansing of our brain with the lymphatic system. I think you make a really great point that we can only control what we can control, but if we can have a really great sleeping location, um, we try to emphasize that at um, Sophia as well. Well, Dr. Tom, you just mentioned so many great things. I I could probably, you know, we could do a whole hour on each of these topics. Um, But I I do think this is a great point to show um, and, you know, how I see a lot of persistent Lyme disease, we call it. And Dr. Klinghart often men- mentions that Lyme has been around, spirochetal infections have been around for thousands of years, but why has our our body's response changed to them? Um, and so we have this whole idea as well that the toxicity, we call it a toxic terrain or this body burden and environmental toxins, changes our, the way that our immune system would naturally respond to some, such an infection. And so I think um, people are learning um, and getting more educated about this, but it's really important um to look at not only heavy metals, but these other environmental uh, factors like BPA, phthalates, and, um, you know, mold kind of fits both categories, right? It can be an infection, but it also is an environmental toxin with the mycotoxins. And unfortunately, a big part of my work is identifying that people are living in a moldy home, and um, that can be really devastating, right, to a family to have to to remediate that. But it, it is so important. I'm sure you've seen a lot of people's brain... Brains turn around once they address the mold in their home.
1: Uh, I don't see patients very often anymore. Um, they've got to get through my staff, uh, <laughs> you know, because, uh, you know, if, if I can carry a message out to uh, the world, um, then more people can benefit, right? Mm-hmm. But I had this guy come see me. He was uh, um, uh, an executive, a uh, top executive for an oil company. And his brain wasn't working anymore. And uh, uh, he was going to take early retirement in his 40s because of this. And he'd been to Mayo Clinic twice and they couldn't find anything. And, you know, my favorite patients are the ones from Mayo Clinic uh, where the patient says, I've been to Mayo Clinic and they don't know what's wrong. (laughs) And I always say, that's great.
0: We like oh, that's them really too. great,
1: congratulations. <laughs> you know, I get a little excited about it. And they heard that I'm a little weird anyway. So I said, But that means you don't have a disease. Mm-hmm. Because if you had a disease, Mayo Clinic would find it. Mm-hmm. You've got dysfunction. Let's see what's not functioning right. Mm-hmm. So the tests we're gonna do are functional tests, and then they get it. They really get it.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: mm-hmm. we do our tests, we take their history, we do our tests, and they come back for their next visit. And you know, everybody's nervous when you're hearing test results and so they're a little nervous, and I look at their test results, and I'll say, good news. You're a mess. Good <laughs> news. <laughs> because everything here is correctable. Oh, this is great. I mean, it's not good to have this stuff, but everything that you've got is correctable. Now, here's how you're going to fix this. Here's how you're going to fix this. Here's It'll take three months. This one will probably take six months to a year. Here's how you're going to fix this. And people learn that it's their lifestyle choices that can make dramatic changes in how their bodies function and so so this guy came to see me he had been to mayo and they didn't know what's wrong i said that's great so we sit down and you know i see patients in a coffee shop you know it's, uh, it's it's really just to talk to them and get a read on them and it took about three minutes after we sat down and we're sitting there and i said to him so when did your basement flood and he almost like jumped out of his chair. <laughs> and, and he lives in the Midwest. He says, how'd you know that? And I said, when did your basement flood? A year and a half ago. When did your symptoms start? About a year. Ago. And he stopped mid-sentence and said, do you think that's contributed to it? And I said, absolutely. It's likely. So you just have to go home and check. How do I check? You get somebody to come in and check your home and you go down in the basement that you only put a dehumidifier down there and dried out the carpet. And you put a dehumidifier down there and you cut out a piece of the drywall and see what's behind the drywall. And sure enough, he had black mold uh, all, all on the drywall, on the inside on, on the backside of the drywall. And they they uh, remediated their house. And then he was fine a few months later. You know, but that's inhalation, Alzheimer's. Uh, now His case wasn't Alzheimer's, but inhalation uh, toxins affecting your brain function.
0: hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, that's uh, such a great story to illustrate. There's always a reason, right. That there's not this random, um, event happening in the body. And I, I, I think that we have to be detectives, right. And that's a big, um, focal change after, you know, water damage in the house and, um, you know, so if you're listening out listening out there and you've had a leak in your roof or a flood in your basement and you're not feeling well, you know, we want you to look deeper. And I, um, I know you go through that in your book and there's a lot of great resources, um, with Dr. Bredesen's work and Dr. Shoemaker's work as well. Um, So taking another step back, Dr. Tom, I know you go through a lot um, about looking at different types of antibodies um, and we can measure them, right? Um, And so how does this connection with elevated antibodies kind of fuel the um, brain and uh, neurodegeneration that we're seeing um, right now?
1: When you have elevated antibodies to any tissue, it's an inflammatory process. Well, what when is it normal to have antibodies to your tissue? So what are, what are antibodies? Let's take it back a little bit for our listeners. We have four different immune systems in the body. There's the immune system of the gut. That's the primary one. Cause most of the offending things that come into our body come in through the gut, you know, what's on the end of your fork is where most of the toxins come from. And so that's the first one. the second one is the immune system of the liver. Third one is the immune system of the bloodstream, and the fourth one is the immune system of the brain. So the immune system of the bloodstream, if something gets in the blood, those are the white blood cells and the different forms of white blood cells. The white blood cells fire a six-shooter. They, they've got little six-shooters, you know, and they're, they're in the bloodstream. They're cir- uh, circulating around, and they pull out their pistol, and they fire— Um, a little bullet at anything that's not supposed to be there. If the white blood cells can't get the job done, then your body calls in the big guns. That's antibodies. Antibodies are special forces and they've got high powered rifles and they fire a high powered rifle and just take out whatever is not supposed to be there. Um, So they're the backup system in the bloodstream. When is it normal to have antibodies to your own tissue? I'll use the example of the thyroid. When you do a blood test for thyroid antibodies, there's a normal range, a reference range. And as long as you're in that reference range, you're good because this is patient. We have an entire new body every seven years, every cell in our body regenerates, every cell regenerates. Some cells are very quick, like the inside lining of your guts every three to five days. Some cells are very slow. Bone cells are really slow. Brain cells are kind of slow. But every cell regenerates. So, how does that happen? Well, your body has to make antibodies to get rid of the old and damaged cells. So, there's room for the new cells. And so, there's a normal level of antibodies to your thyroid. There's a normal level of antibodies to your brain tissue. There's a normal level of antibodies to your bones and to your muscles and your ligaments. That's normal. But when you have elevated antibodies, you're killing off more cells than you're making. So if you have elevated antibodies to your heart, you're killing off your heart. If you have elevated antibodies to your brain, you're killing off your brain. And when you kill off enough cells takes a while, but when you have elevated antibodies for a while, now you've killed off enough cells that that tissue can't work quite the same anymore. Now you start getting symptoms. And when you start getting symptoms, you get a little worried. Maybe you go to a doctor, they can't find anything wrong. No, you're fine, your heart's fine, or no, your brain's fine. But I'm forgetting my keys. Oh, your brain's fine. It's stress. It's just stress, Mrs. Patient. But when you do the right tests and you see that you've got four different types of antibodies to your brain elevated, you know that your brain's on fire. So then the question is: why is my brain on fire? And that's when you do the deep dive to figure out, is it food sensitivities? Is it toxic metals? Is it toxic chemicals? Uh, What is the trigger? Is it a mechanical problem? Is it electromagnetic radiation? Uh, Is it a cell phone next to your brain? What is it that's causing this? Uh, And that's when you do the deep dive. But you never put attention to do the deep dive unless you do the test and you see that you've got a problem going on right now. It hasn't gotten bad enough, bad enough yet to be obvious
0: no that's a great explanation and um you mentioned in your book a few um, lab tests to explore and I know that you um you know work with cyrex labs and then also you mentioned um, in your book the neural zoomer test um, that is a new test for me to learn about can you share a little bit more about that test
1: sure you know when we do blood tests and things like that we we expect that our doctor gets these results and then the decisions or the choices the doctor makes is best is, are based on the test result. But what people don't know is the accuracy of blood tests, it, it, it depends on the laboratory, but it can be as low as the low 70%, which means three out of 10 times it's wrong, or it can be most of them are in the low 80s, 80 percentile range, most of the labs. And the technical term is sensitivity and specificity. You know, so you ask your doctor, Doc, I don't quite understand this, but could you find out the sensitivity and specificity of this blood test you just did? And the doctor will just look at you funny because they've never thought to ask for it. But when you find out what the sensitivity and specificity is, you realize that there's a chance these test results are wrong. Now, just as true... Most of us have heard that the power of a smartphone today is greater than a 20 by 20 room of computers floor to ceiling 20, 25 years ago. So a full room of computers at MIT or Harvard 25 years ago didn't have the power that our cell phones have today. And most people know that, that the technology has improved so quickly and so vastly, we never could have imagined that. The exact same thing is true in laboratory medicine. But if you were to do research on the laboratory that's doing the blood work that you just had done from your doctor, when was this test developed? And your doctor won't know, but many of the tests they do today, the CBC and the chem screen, for example, is from the 1960s and the 1970s. I mean, the tests are good tests. They're helpful tests but they're outdated in terms of technology and they, they don't have the accuracy that we need them to have. So there's new laboratory medicine now. Mayo Clinic wrote about this, Mayo Clinic, and they call it a new era in laboratory medicine. It's a new era. And the blood tests are now available to look at food sensitivities and look at uh, antibodies in the brain uh, or antibodies in the body And one of the tests is called the Neural Zoomer. And because you zoom in on the problem uh, with this test, you zoom in on what's going on in your brain or what's going on in your body. You got numbness and tingling, you need the Neural Zoomer. You walk into a room and you forget why you walked in the room, you need the Neural Zoomer. You forgot where you left your key, well, where are my keys? Where are my keys? You need the Neural Zoomer because you want to identify do I have inflammation going on in my brain right now? Do I have elevated antibodies? Because once again, you won't do anything about it if you don't know the problems there. And so this is a test and the sensitivity and specificity, you know, the geek stuff now is 97 to 100%. That means every time it's right on the money, every time. And that's because it's a new era in laboratory medicine. And our our current laboratories don't want to talk about this. They try to trash the tests, but they can't. You know, just read the science on the tests. They're that accurate.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to look that up and um, start reviewing that for patients. I think you make a really great point. And um, it's just human behavior that we're more likely to make change when we see a tangible objective um, you know, profile or lab test um, that we can monitor and track as well um, as we make progress. So Dr. Tom, um there's <laughs> so many directions we could go here, but I, I want to, as we're getting closer to the end of our conversation, I want to empower people with tools and tips and strategies on like, okay, we know that we're now in this environment that um has gotten really hard to have um, healthy humans in, right? And so how can we feel empowered in spite of, you know, these daunting statistics and um, what we're all up against? How do we start making steps um, to really change, you know, the health of our brain, especially if we're starting to have um, word finding problems or, you know, depression, anxiety, I think is also a window into our brain or, um, you know, any of these, you um, starting signs and symptoms of um, having cognitive decline?
1: Really good question. And there's a couple of things. The first thing is read my book. Uh, uh, That's critically important because this is overwhelming information. Now, there's a subtitle to the book. It's on the cover. You know, the title is You Can't Fix Your Brain. And the subtitle is Just One Hour a Week to the Best Memory, Productivity, and Sleep You've Ever Had. And that's not a cutesy title. It really is that if you allocate one hour a week, just one every Tuesday night after dinner, every Sunday morning after church, whenever you do this. But one hour a week, every week, without exception, you're going to learn a little more about your brain just for an hour. Then it's not overwhelming. And you're going to learn something in that week. And, you, uh, for example, you're going to say, all right, I'm going to go to mileskimble.com, the way they talk about Dr. O'Brien's book or I'm going to go to Amazon, and I'm going to buy glass containers for the kitchen. And you take the time and you go to Miles Kimball or you go to Amazon and you order your glass containers. Let's see, I need this many square ones and some round ones. I need a bigger round ones. And, and uh, you know, it takes an hour to do that. You're done, that's it for the week. Then what happens next week, you pick another topic and you just keep dialing this down. Within six months, you have changed your environment dramatically for you and your family to protect your brain. So that's the technique, is one hour a week. Now, there are four categories of nutrients that I like to talk about for um, uh, having healthy brain tissue and healthy brain function. First are the structural components, and that is the fish oils and the phospholipids and choline. Those are important, so fish oils are just great for you. And up to three grams, 3,000 milligrams, is safe for everybody. Uh, Even if you're on blood thinners, uh, the studies are clear, that amount is not a threat for anyone. Next are antioxidants, that's like coenzyme Q10, alpha-lipoic acid, the tocotrienols. There's a whole family that your doctor can work with you on uh, for those. Um, Next are anti-inflammatories, that's like hops and ginger and curcumin and boswellia. And the fourth category of bioactives, like vitamin D, uh, proline-rich polypeptides. And that's the one I really want to talk about, is proline-rich polypeptides. They are so unbelievable for you. They act as sponges to suck up free radicals. Um, that's the debris from damage. Uh, when cells get um, damaged and destroyed by inflammation in your brain, they suck up those free radicals. They inhibit the development of uh, extra antibodies, so they, they inhibit the development of autoimmune diseases in the brain. They uh, supply the nutrients, to, they stimulate the genes to build stronger brain cells. Um, there are so many ways that these proline-rich polypeptides help you. Um, they're just remarkable. Um, I, I, don't, I just would not be without them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a great point. I, um, I don't probably use those as much in practice. And so I'm going to definitely look up your recommendations around that. And then um, I'm curious, Dr. Tom, do you um, use any CBD or um, work with um, things that promote the endocannabinoid pathways to help with brain inflammation and regulating their immune system?
1: I do. I do. Um, so the, the um, uh, proline-rich polypeptides, Uh, uh, people can find them. They're called GS Immuno Restore PRP spray. GS stands for gluten-sensitive because they're gluten-free. So everybody that has an immune system that's sensitive to foods um, really do well with these. So GS Immuno Restore PRP is the name of the spray. Uh, In terms of CBDs, there um, first, there's no question that CBDs are extremely valuable. They stimulate the uh, receptors that are pain receptors. So they they diminish pain. They they work like morphine in many ways, without the addictive quality to them. Uh, CBD does this. Uh, it stimulates the morphine receptors, uh, and so uh, they're they're called opiate receptors. So all of the people that are having problems with opioid addictions, CBD is a valuable tool that helps with weaning down from those the cravings for those opioid addictions. The your body wants those, those receptor sites stimulated. And when you do CBD, uh, if it's a good product, um, you find that you don't have those cravings as much. And there are some products that are better than others. The one that is just remarkable is called Can CanAdapt, uh, CanAdapt, A-D-A-P-T, C-A-N-N, A-D-A-P-T, because it's the cannabinoids from CBD along with herbs.
0: Adaptogenic herbs, or
1: thank
0: you.
1: I need to take some. I guess. Yeah.
0: <laughs> me too. The, uh,
1: <laughs> the the adaptogens act as uh, carriers, and they carry the payload, the CBD, right into the cell. And they and they the adaptogens help to reduce inflammation, so the CBDs are more effective. It's really an incredible one two combination. So CBD's work really well. To help people have better functioning brains
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and i think you know our um you know the laws are changing in each state um you know around the use of cannabis but cbd is wonderful because um, a lot of the products don't have thc so they can be used wherever you are located so i think that that's a really great tool and i love the combination of supporting the cannabidiol receptors plus the adaptogenic herbs i think Um, if you need CBD, you probably need adaptogenic herbs as well. So, um, I think that's a great combo. That's true. (laughs) So Dr. Tom, again, I, I think I could talk to you for another three hours about all of this information. Um, I really, um, think you did an excellent job on your book and I know that you're, um, working on creating, um, more educational resources for people around brain health. Can you share, with our audience, how people can find your book and kind of learn more about um, the brain masterclass you uh, put together.
1: You bet. You bet. Thank you. Um, if you go to the dr.com, the doctor.com, just don't spell the word doctor out. Um, that's our website. And the book's right there on the front page. And um, if you click on the book, it'll take you to Amazon or books a million or uh, whatever. There's five sites that you can go to wherever you want to go to buy the book. But um, you you get to download a bunch of things uh, from the site. Uh, that's why if you go to thedoctor.com to order the book, uh, there's some extras that you get. And uh, we, we have a brain master class. You'll find it there at thedoctor.com also. And uh, uh, we walk people through over a five-week period, step by step, how to identify what's the status of your brain right now and what can you do about it to enhance its function reducing the inflammation and enhancing the function of your brain building stronger brain cells and It's, it's really quite remarkable people love it. They're getting great results with it and uh, uh, It's there and available for you at the dr.com
0: great a lot of practical empowering solutions um, for our audience and um, I really want to thank you again for your time and just putting all your knowledge and these great resources I think it's really uh, well, much needed, and I'm excited to share this with my patients as well.
1: Thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: Thank you for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Dr. Tom O'Brien. Please take a look at the links in the show notes. We are offering some bonuses that Dr. Tom generously provided um, and resources and information about how you can find his new book and his Brain Masterclass All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you have any feedback or um, if you'd like to give us a review on iTunes, I would really appreciate it. And thank you so much for listening.